Okay, everyone. Thank you for joining. This will be Be'ezrat Hashem, the final class on the series called The Birth of Mashiach. Um, whoever wants to dedicate this class, it's available. Okay. Um, this is the fifth class in the series. Um, I don't want to repeat most of what we learned. <coughs> We're learning a passage in the Zohar with the commentary of the Alter Rebbe of Shnei Zalman of Liadi, the author of the Tanya. In his book and his Sefer, really he's called the Sun Sefer, uh, but it's the, the discourses of his father called Biurea Zohar. This is a passage of Zohar and Pasha's Bolok. We've been learning it for four classes. This is the fifth class. Now, um, not to be charged with deceptive advertisement. Um, it's called the birth of Mashiach because there is a major idea in this discourse that spoke about the birth of Mashiach. We learned it in class number two and in class number three primarily. So if you look online and you look for the birth of Mashiach, class two and class three, you will have much more information on that. If that's what's intriguing you in this class, then that's what you're looking for. Today's class is not going to be talking about the birth of Moshiach, um, in, in specifically highlighting that. Um, so once that's understood, obviously all these five classes complement each other because they're all bringing forth and it's one passage of the Zohar that we were studying, very cryptic and very mystical. And even though I'm teaching it, I confess that I understand very little about what I am teaching, but it's the teachings of these deep secrets of the Torah that bring light to the world, and may I will dedicate the class for the safety of my brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in the land of Israel, that Moshiach should already appear, reveal himself, and all the darkness should dissipate, and all the pain and suffering, all the Jewish people should be safe, those who, those who need a refuah shalema, those who need a, a uh, healing, a, uh, those who are wounded should all have a complete and miraculous recovery. Those who sadly passed away should be already resurrected. The coming of Mashiach involves the resurrection as well. May they happen speedily, quickly. Now, that's uh, what we can say about all of this. And now we're ready to learn. Um, okay, so we're in the middle. I, I don't expect... Uh, people who are tuning in just to this class on its own to have much understanding what I'm talking about. In other words, let me put it this way. <laughs> I'm limited in what, I, what I'm talking about even as the teacher, meaning it's, these are very it's, 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 it's complicated, uh, complicated ideas. That is number one. So those who are with me for the last four classes hopefully understand what we're learning and maybe they understand it better than I do, which is beautiful. And uh, those that are coming on just on today's class, if you're versed in these ideas beforehand, great. If not, I recommend spending the time first listening to the previous classes and then letting it flow into this, unless you're one of those beautiful souls that can just absorb godly spiritual ideas, not directly through organized you know, um, an organized buildup of intellectual grasp, but just through a, an infusion of spiritual light in your soul, that's beautiful. Okay, 
That being said, as the disclaimer before the class, let's go. <coughs> so the verses, the psukim that we're talking about, the psukim are psukim and parshas Balak, which is the prophecies of the fellow by the name of Balak, who was a Gentile prophet. But he brought down one of the deep, he, because he was a prophet, he had great divine revelation. And particularly when he was summoned and hired to damage the Jewish people. You know, anti-Semites, it's been around. It's been around. It's, it didn't start in uh, now. It's been, <laughs> it's been around since way, way, way from the first Jew. We had, a, you know, even before the first Jew was born, there was an anti-Semite. They were anti-Semites already. They tried to stop, you know, they, the stargazers of, of Nimrod. They, they saw that someone was going to be born that was going to, uh, that was going to interfere with their pagan, with their pagan way of life. And they tried to kill the baby when the baby was born. The Midrash tells us the whole story. So, they, you know, this already began back then. And then when Isaac was born, the first Jew to be born a Jew, Avram kind of converted by recognizing monotheism, belief in one God. Uh, Isaac Yitzchak was the first Jew to be born a Jew, and, and uh, he was already... Uh, they wanted to claim that he's not a son of Abraham. That's so far they wanted to erase him from the beginning, from the start. So we had enemies all along. So when we see today's days, people that when Israel is being attacked by thousands of rockets to civilized, to civilized cities, and the media, and I don't know, thousands of people, I'm talking about <laughs> thousands of people, literally thousands, go, go on YouTube, not on YouTube, go anywhere, go on any of these um, uh, sites, see how many people are siding with Hamas. It, 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 it's so insane. It's so utterly insane. You know, people that are shooting rockets into civilized areas without any differentiation if it kills men, women, or children. Or an army that has to fight a war by knocking on buildings and telling everybody to leave before they bombard a place. And they have to do um, precision surgery so you kill a terrorist who's hiding behind human shields. I mean, it is so insane. It's so ridiculous. And yet, um, they're all over. We're talking about the half a world population that's pointing the finger to, to Israel. I don't know, maybe this is the differentiation between right before Mashiach comes, between those that are inherently good and those that are inherently evil. How can you stand and point to a, imagine you know, living, I don't know, living over here in, in California, in, in, in West Hollywood, where we live and, and, and rockets coming, and no one knows. Anybody living in any home, no one knows which, if it's going to land. There's no differentiation, because those that are shooting those rockets are not targeting this building or that building. They're just targeting, they're shooting weapons of death into populated areas. And when an, and an army goes out to try to stop it, they're the children murderers. I mean, it, it, it is so, it is so despicable. It is so monstrous, but yet it's okay because it's a hatred to the Jewish people. So it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't have to make any sense. It's irrational. It's insane. And it's really coming from a root that doesn't want the revelation of God in this world. That's all that it is. So obviously it's coming from a place of pure evil that does not want, because the Jewish people are here to bring God into the world. And if you want to erase Israel, you want to hurt 
innocent men, women, and children. For now, don't give me the baloney stories. Taking away and and Israel, the Arabs live in Israel better than they live in any Arab country, and everybody knows that. Uh, when they make trouble, and they start rioting, yeah, they're gonna have problems. Then they're gonna close the the, city, the borders. They're gonna close the crossings. They're gonna have a hard a hard life. They choose to live like decent human beings, and be nice and kind, they would be welcome and treated incredible by Israelis and by Jews, because Jews are a peaceful people that want peace. And they're here for peace. And uh, this is just absolute abhorrent lies by pure despicable evil. That's just what it is. So Bilam, where am I coming to all of this? I just have to say this because this is, this is the truth. Um, Bilam, the, and obviously it's the clipper, the unholy is breathing its last. So as I mentioned in the other class, it's putting up a fight, fine. They put up a fight. People want to take sides right now. They can take sides. You can stand on the side of righteousness and truth and holiness and godliness. Or you can choose to be sided with evil. That's, that could be people's choice right before the moment of truth will arrive. It will arrive any second. As we, we know, we're holding at the birthing of truth. And uh, lucky and fortunate are those who have a, have a portion in, 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 in truth, in holiness, in goodness, that choose right now to support the right side, not the wrong side. This, this is like other times of history, you had a chance at a later point that you're going to repent, you're going to do tshuva. Now there's not going to be any more chances. This is the final chance. Here's the final separation of good and evil. So, fortunate are those that are lucky. I'm talking to the, to the Gentile population. Poor, fortunate are those that are choosing what's right and what's good. And uh, are, not, are not, God forbid, you know, falling into this. And, and of course, evil masquerades as goodness. It, it masquerades and tries to present itself as the righteous, as the ones that are standing up for morality and goodness and so on and so forth. Fine. If you believe so and you... Go ahead. In any case, Bilam is this, is this prophet, and he was hired then to curse Israel, to curse the Jewish people. And, um, and what does he want to curse? He wants to curse to bring, bring down divine wrath and uh, bring a holocaust upon, upon the Jewish people from our very infancy in the desert. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now either. Um, it, it, the Jewish people are going to are going to triumph in this world because God is going to triumph in this world, and goodness and holiness is going to triumph, and righteousness and morality, and what is good is going to triumph over evil. Because as much as God lets this world run its course, He still controls everything. And the world has a destiny, and it has a purpose, and it, uh, event it, it eventually will reach its destiny for it to become a garden of Eden, for it to become a garden of goodness. And being that we all know from all the signs that we are at its very end, that means it has to happen now. Or in any case, so this Bilam was called to curse Israel, but yet when he opened his eyes and he, in a prophetic vision and he looked at them, even he that was so bent, and he was the man of the evil eye, 
could not see in bad. He can see their roots. He, he, he immediately, you know, when a prophet sees and he's not looking through human glasses, he's looking through divine glasses. These are not the same glasses that Bilam, the same vision that Bilam had usually. Bilam's usually was extreme wickedness. He looked for sin, he looked for bad, he looked for accusation, he looked for, he had a very, very despicable eye. Uh, whatever he looked at was just in, in, in the worst way possible, in the darkest way possible. But for the moment that God cho choose, chose him as a vessel, for whatever reason, to communicate his, his will and his word and his, his communication, then Bilam is lifted up beyond his evil, and he's now looking and gazing with God's eyes. And when he's looking with God's eyes, he sees, he sees it the way God sees Israel, and that is in its magnificent beauty. So he's discussing the great origins of the Jewish people, and he says, From the peaks of mountains I see him, and from the hills I behold him. And we discussed the meaning of it, but as it, the Zohar goes in to explain, that Bilam is really speaking about, and again, I'm really not going to discuss this, I'm just going to say a point, because it, that he's referring to the root of Israel in the supernal source. The supernal source of Israel is in divine attributes, because the Jewish people are rooted, Jewish souls are beyond and above and beyond creation. There is the realm of creation, which doesn't exist, in, doesn't begin in the physical. There's many levels, multi-layers and layers and layers and layers of spiritual levels of existence, where, of angelic beings and souls and so on and so forth. But yet, it's all part of creation. Above and, above and beyond creation is the world of emanation, which is not really a creation yet. And in the world of emanation, there is the attributes of the divine, which is God's per, it's God presenting himself with a certain personality. That divine personality, which is called the supernal man, that is the source of the Jewish soul. And that's what Bilam says, I see him in his source. Yet, what's called Israel, Israel is referred to as the six divine emotions of attributes. Chesed, Gevur, Etferes, Netzachod, Yesod, the six divine emo attributes, that's the root of Israel. Now Bilam says, but I see them rooted even deeper. I see, I see them rooted even higher. Where do I see them rooted? Miroish Tsunemarenu, I see, which means he, he, he was able to see that the, that, the, um, that the emotions that we're speaking about, which are the source of the, 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 the divine emotions, which are the source of all of the souls, is really rooted in a place beyond the emotions. And that is in the, in the divine intellect, which is infinitely above the divine emotions, which we know it's called the Chabad, Chachma Bin Adas. And, he, and he's primarily seeing Israel rooted both in Bina and in Chachma. Now Chachma and Bina is still, on that level you can't really see really the emotions yet, but they're there in a very subtle way. And that's what he's describing, the Zohar describes, that primarily, the, the, the um, source of Israel is in Bina, like a, and Bina is called mother, like a mother who carries a baby inside of her. So on the one hand, you can't see the baby. You don't know what the baby looks like, unless you take a sonogram, and even then, right? You don't really know what the baby looks like when it's in the mother. 
because the mother, the, the baby is concealed and hidden within the mother. Um, but really, the baby didn't start in the mother. The baby started in the father, in the seminal drop that was delivered from the father to the mother during their intimacy. That seminal drop is already the, 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 the potential that contains within it already the child. And these are two levels of concealment. One level of concealment is, so there's, there's, what we can say really is there's three levels. There's revelation, and there is concealment, and then there is concealment of concealment. Revelation is where the baby is born already. It's on the outside. Spiritually, we're referring to the divine attributes as they are already fully manifest and revealed to divine emotions. That's called Israel in a born state. Then there is Israel as a fetus. That means it's still embedded in a level way above that called Gevaos. It's called the hills. Or as we learned in the first class, maybe it means the valleys, which is the concept of the feminine dimension, which is an indent versus the masculine, which is a protrusion, as we're also going to see in today's class. So when we are contained within our mother, within the Bina element, like a fetus within the mother, we're in a concealed, but more pronounced. It's concealed, but the baby is still a, a individual, identifiable being. You have to look with an x-ray. You have to look with some kind of a device that can see beyond the barrier of the mother's, of the, of the, of the, of the mother is carrying the, the baby in the womb. You have to see past that. But still, you know, you could, could identify the baby. It has already a, an image. It has already a, a fully developed, especially in the end of the pregnancy, earlier stages. It's in the middle of its development. But if you trace it even further back into the father, over there, it's, in a, it's a non-existent existence. You can't say it doesn't exist because it wouldn't show up in the mother if it, was, it wasn't there first in the father. But in this state, its existence is so so not pronounced and so unidentified, it's just, especially before the droplet was separated from the father's brain, it's, imagine, it's not like a drop already, it's like a pre-drop, when it's still the potential, it's like a father carrying his children before he even gets married, before he, ever, before he even knows the woman that he's gonna marry and have children with, yet in his brain, in his inner being, he has all of his potential children there inside of him, but in a non-existent state. So Bilam was able to see the root of the Jewish people even in the level of the divine aspect of Chachma, which is the real true source of the Jewish soul. Now Chachma is the place where the, the, the Ein Sof, it's the first recipient, it's the first of the divine attributes, the first recipient of the, of the Ein Sof, and therefore Chachma itself, as we learned last week, it's called Reisha, it's called head, unidentifiable, unknowable head. Still a place where the infinite meets the beginning of definition of, fine, of, of finitude. Of, it's not yet finite, even Chachma, but it's, the, it's, where, it's where the energy of existence separates from, pre, from pre-existence. When I say separate, it means it starts to emerge, but it's still very much connected to the pre-existent, to the pre-existent energy of the infinite. Chachma is the potential of, of existence. And Bina is already beginning to take, seeing the details and the, and, the, and the form. But the divine emotions are only born in Bina. And last, and last week we were learning that that is to be seen in the hay. In the hay of God's name. Because Chachma and Bina, Chachma is a Yud, is a point. Hay is, a, is an expansion. There's an expansion to the width and an expansion um, 
to the length. So hey is taking the point of chachma and expanding it, just like the mother takes the baby of a point and expands the child, the details. And But really, the bina is not yet the baby. The bina is the mother of the baby. So in the, in the hay, the, the two lines that make up a hay, which is the dalid, the right side and the roof of the, of the, of the hay, that's still the bina. The baby, the fetus, is the, the other um, small little leg, the left leg of the hay, that's the fetus within the space of the mother. And that's the vav. Vav, in God's name, we know yud ke vav. Vav is already the next stage. Vav means is equals the number six, represents the six divine attributes which are all of God's personality, emotional attributes, which are really far closer to existence, to creation, because we know God creates the world with six emotions which are responsible for the six days and the six directions and so on and so forth. Here's already uh, a, a much closer state of the divine to the God is far more adapted, so to speak, already or acclimating his energy already far more to the creation. It doesn't, it's not yet ready for actual investment in the creation, even on the level of the emotions. There it's also still too intense and too infinite, if you can say. Only when it descends further from the Vav and it goes into the hay, the final hay, which the final hay is Malchut, which Malchut means kingship, and kingship already requires already a creation, because you can't be a king without a creation. That's when the connection is made, and that's why Malchus is also called speech, because speech is where you're actually communicating with someone. Emotions are already, the emotions, however, are also connected to someone, because without anyone around you, without any community, without any people, without anything there, there's not really much room for emotions. Emotions are your feelings vis a you know, in, in, in relationship to somebody and something outside of you. So therefore, the emotions are already a preparatory state for the, for the divine to engage in a creation. But the actual engagement in the creation and interaction in the creation only happens when the energy is reduced from the emotions into speech, just like in any relationship. We have powerful emotions, but if people would, you know, would, 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 would have to deal with our emotions, they would get burnt by our craziness. <laughs> our emotions are crazy, like, you know, sometimes so intense. Others can't handle your emotion. You have to filter the emotion. The emotions get filtered into speech. The speech, the words, weaken the emotion tremendously. They, they lower the voltage. They diminish it. Just because it goes into containers, it goes into vessels, and that kind of weakens, lessens it. Once it's lessened and it's contained in the words, now it's already communicatable. That's the system. So Israel, the Jewish people, are rooted in the six emotions. But as Bilam, as Bilam is saying, from the deep peaks of mountains, I can trace them much higher as they are rooted in the close, at the very beginning, beginning point, and therefore they're touching the Orient. So, and that's why we, the Jewish people, Israel acts as a communicator between the infinite and the world. Some people look at these times that we're in right now as the end times. It's a terrible mistake. We're not living in the end times. We're living in the beginning times. Because the moment we're going to achieve complete attachment, the, the, the final connection, we have created the whole, the, whole, the whole pipeline in which we have now a direct 
pipeline in which the infinite can flow freely into the world, where the world and there's no obstruction anymore. And that's what we've accomplished through observance of mitzvot, and the Jewish people serve as that communicative energy to the world from the infinite to the finite. That, and once the infinite is going to emerge in the universe, the blessing in the world, life is going to become so much more beautiful, so much more energized, so much more enlightened, so much more the, 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 the blessing, the, the, the opportunity, the, 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 the abundance, the, the, the everything. Life is going to be the way it, it ought to be. We're not going to have any questions anymore of how can a world created by God have so much darkness because it's not going to be dark anymore. It's just going to be bright and brighter and brighter and brighter. So um, the Jewish people are able to do that because we serve as the bridge between the utterly infinite and the creation by playing this, by being rooted in, in that which is called the supernal Israel, which is really God, the divine attributes where God is called man, Adam, and but that connects us to the beyond man element of the divine. This is a little bit of what we were learning about in the last couple of classes. We were learning how this man that is born, so to speak, as the, as the godly combination, configuration of divine attributes, which is the supernal man that Ezekiel, by the way, Yecheskel, we're going to read the Torah on Shavuos, saw on top of the throne. That's this man that we're talking about, which is called Israel. Um, that's, why, that's why I'm just saying, going back to what I said at the beginning, those who hate Israel are hating the man that sits on the throne. Do you understand? Those who want Israel killed down here want Israel killed up there. It's, it's frightening. It, but okay, you know, sadly. But that makes, that's why it makes sense, or else, you know, no other, no other people, no other country, no other, no other entity would be, would be, you know, a target for such, such irrational hatred. It's only because, you know, because this is the ultimate. That's why there is such animosity and such hatred. But that's also the reason why, you know, we're going to win. <laughs> You, know, you can't fight City Hall. You definitely can't fight. You can't fight God. It, it's amazing to me how people keep on trying. You know, keep on trying, keep on trying, again and again, as if eventually they're going to win. Not going to happen. Um, okay, that's what we learned till now. Oh, so much. There's so much information here. The question is, where do you pick up from? Oh, so let me add some some ideas that will lead us up to the part of the Zohar that we're talking about now. Then the Zohar continued, and what we learned last week. Um, oh, because the continuation of Bilam's prophecy, and where he said, "I see him." Um, I'm sorry, he said, um, "From the t peaks of mountains, I see him, and from the hilltops, Ashurenu, right." They're a nation that sits alone. There you go. A nation that sits in isolation. How true Bilam's words are today. As true as it was back then. Israel sits alone. Israel sits alone. 
So what does it mean they sit alone, Israel sits alone? What does it mean Israel sits alone? So it's related to what we just said. As we spoke last week, since the, 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 the level of the divine emotions are already, to a certain degree, a source for creation. So if we would, if Israel would be rooted just in the emotions of the divine, then there would be some kind of an inherent connection between Israel and the rest of the creation, between, between the Jewish people and the rest of the creation. Because at the root of our existence, there is already, it's already on a level in the divine of emotions. And emotions connect the, the one who has the emotion to the one in which the emotion is about. So then there would be already some, somewhat of a connection. But since Israel is rooted in a level that transcends the emotion, and they're rooted in the divine intelligence, intellect is complete, the, God's intellect is completely above and beyond the world. No relationship at all. Last week we learned, that's what we see when we look at a human being. He said last week there is two levels of human. There's the inner human and the outer human. The outer human are the limbs of the body, and the inner human is, a, is, is, the, is the brain. The brain is isolated and separate. As we see even in the body, the brain sits in its own compartment, almost like detached from the body. Since Israel is rooted in God's head, in, in the brain, in the, in the Chabad, and even there, they're rooted in the top of the brain, so to speak. In the level of Chachma, that's where they're all the way in. Which Chachma is really still undefined and unspecified. And Chachma is still submerged in the orange Sof, in the infinite. So that's what causes Levadod, alone, separation. Now this, that, this is an important idea before we learn further, this, that Israel is rooted in the level of the mochen, we learned last week, which is in the head, is hinted to where you look at the, remember Israel is the vav, the six, the letter vav, because the letter vav is six, number six, which six represents the six emotions. So you have the letter vav in the yud, k, vav, and God's name, the vav, which is already a distinguishable letter. But then there is the Vav, when the Vav is still included, as we said earlier, in the hay that precedes it. And this higher state, especially when it's a, still part of the parents, not yet an emergence as a child, it's also hinted to in the Vav of the letter Aleph. If you look at the letter Aleph, which is the first letter of the alphabet, it's comprised of three, three parts. There is a diagonal vav, and on top of it sits a yud, and the bottom of it, on the left side, sits another yud. The two yuds, one is an upside-down yud at the bottom, and one is an... And the idea is, this is chachma and bina. The upper yud on the right side is chachma. The lower yud on the, on the left side is bina, and the Vav is 
the center, which is the, which is the vav, which can sometimes be considered das, because das is the source of the six emotions, but it's the, the actual later emerges as the vav, and it's, it's, it's being fed by chachma and bina together. And that's the aleph. Because, so this really gives us a, 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 an understanding in the idea of badad alone, because aleph stands in separation. It's echad. It's, it's above. And he says this is hinted to when we say in the verse, verse of Shema, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem. The first Hashem is Chachma. That's the Yud on the top of the Aleph. Elokeinu, Elokeinu is Bina, because Bina is associated with Elokim, with Tzimtzum, with contraction. That's the lower Yud. And then Havaya, Yud Kev, the, the, the second time it says Yud Kevav, okay, that's the Vav, because we know Teferis is called Havaya. Chachma is called Havaya, and Teferis is called Havaya. So Hashem, Elokeinu, Havaya. Chachma, Bina, and then Teferis, which is the, 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 the spine, so to speak, of the entire Ze'er Anpin. And it's all hinted to in the Aleph. This Hashem, Elokeinu, Hashem, make up the letter Aleph. Which letter Aleph? Of the next word, Echad. Havaya, Shema Yisrael, hear Israel. What should you hear? You should hear your own soul source. Havaya, Elokeinu, Havaya. That's the comprising the Aleph, which make up the, the Aleph from the word Echad. But here's the idea. Just to be rooted in the, sublim, in the sublimity of the infinite and just to be, got, to be separated and removed from all of existence and above and beyond everything, then we serve no purpose. If we're above and beyond the creation and above and beyond the world and lofty and high and sourced in the highest of places, that's very nice, but what good does it do? What are we doing down here? The answer is that very transcendence and that very connection and that very un unbelievable removed access, so to speak, to, the, to what is utterly undefined and unspecified and purely infinite, we, the purpose of Israel and the Jewish people is to channel that, to funnel that, we're to, not into ourselves, into our souls, but into the world, into the creation, into the kingdom, into the actual fixed, defined, specified, limited, finite creation. And not into the world of angels, the spiritual beings. They too need this light and benefit from this light and are enlightened by this light and are thrilled by this light. True, but that's not the purpose. Purpose is earth, planet earth, physical, material, most fixed, most limited dimension. Channel it all the way down. That's the hint of the word echad, where the Aleph represents this dynamic of the Ze'er and the six emotions, as it is flanked, literally, by the Chachman Bina, which give it such a transcendence, which give it such a badad state, such a removed state, such a lofty state, such an untouchable state, such a transcendental, undefinable state, even while it's emotions, it's still connected to the beyond emotions and beyond definitions. And yet, from there, it's empowered 
to get married with the Dalit. Aleph, Ches. doesn't explain over here what the Ches over here, how that comes in. Dalit, which is the Dalit, is Malchus, which is actually the, the, the world of speech, the source of creation. And then the Aleph channels its energy into the Dalit, and that's into the world. That idea is the idea that not only do we have Jacob, not only do we have the soul of Israel, but Jacob gets married. Israel gets married. Who does he marry? He marries the Dalit. Who is the Dalit? Malchus. Two levels of Malchus, we learned last week. The upper le- level of Malchus is Yaakov marries two wives, Leah and Rachel. Leah is the higher level of Malchus, the Pneumius of Malchus. Malchus is a more in transcendental state. Um, that's an, in the world of, le- of words, of letters, Malchus is words, letters. It's the letters of thought, inward letters. And then finally marry Rachel, called the lower Malchus, which is the source of the spoken word, spoken letters, words that actually make up the actual physical universe, the actual creation. And this channel of Israel is the channel from the infinite into, into Malchus throughout, through our prayer, through all our good deeds that we do, davening, mitzvot, and so on and so forth. It's an amazing, amazing role to play. The flow of energy all the way down from the Aleph into the Dalits. So our very transcendence empowers our very imminence and involvement. And that's the secret of the Jew, which has been kind of so hard to like, you know, for the, for the world to deal with. Because it's not like Jews are spiritual people hiding in monasteries. If we would be hiding in monasteries, living in, in some kind of a secluded places and being holy, and letting, you know, and, and, and removed from everything, fasting and singing, uh, you know, kumbaya, uh, everybody would be very happy with the Jewish people. No one would mind. The crazy thing about the Jewish people is that the Jewish people are the entrepreneurs. They're the business people. They're involved in every aspect of life. They're the lawyers. They're the reporters. They're the doctor. They're in the media. They're in Hollywood. They're in this. They, there's nothing in the world where they're not, where they don't have their hands involved. And yet, at the same time, there is something there that of, of, of otherworldliness, something of transcendence. So that's what's so confusing. That's what's so doesn't make any sense, you know. If you're God's people, then be God's people. What are you doing running around over here and, 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 and being so, you know, so involved in earth? But that's the whole point. You can't change earth unless you're involved in earth. But the Jew has to be Jewish, which means the Jew has to be connected as well. Sadly, when the Jew becomes assimilated, in other words, and loses his spiritual connection. Uh, the connection is always there, but subconscious, but taking about it in a conscious way, then he's not funneling. And he's just actually causing a lot of discomfort. So a Jew has to be openly revealed of what and who he or she is, a channel to con- communicate and to connect the divine and the infinite into the creation. But in this discourse and in this passage of the Zohar, we get a little bit of an understanding of the structure of how it emerges from its non-definition state all the way down to a more definitive and we're we serve as that mediating, as that um, communicator of the infinite into the finite. And the Zohar refers to, this is an important idea, I just want to, because we're going to make reference to today, that this idea that the the midot, the attributes, the, the emotional attributes, which is inherently the root 
I'm saying, which is the most, which is the identity, the, 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 the source of the Jewish soul, which is called Israel, when it's to be found on a more, on a loftier state, as we said, hinted to in the letter Aleph, which is a combination of Chachma and Bina, the two Yuds connecting to the diagonal Vav, that combination, the Zohar refers to it as a unification of Reisha, remember I'm just going to repeat this, something we learned last week, Reisha, the head, Giza, the root, Ushvil, and the path. So we learned last week what that means. You can listen to last class number four. Reisha is, he says, Reisha is the Chachma, it's called the head, and he refers to it to a, a, a ruach, a wind, or a spirit that's, the words the Zohar uses, it's a spirit that's going upward. Avira de Salka, it's ear that's going up, because as we said before, the whole, the, 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 the uniqueness of Chachma is, is in its, in it, is, in it, is, is in its non-definitive, non-definition, non-structured state. Um, and that's why, that's Havaya, the higher Yudke Vavke, and that's called Reisha Head. Giza, the root, a root represents a root for a growth, something that's already a root is, if you're calling something a root, means something will grow from it. So that's refer referring to the opposite. Bina is considered already a the beginning of definitions, the beginning of, of, of design. Where Chachma is, so to speak, the tail end of what is undefined and un has no, no image, no form, no definition. Bina, that's why Chachma is called Ayin, nothingness. Bina is called Yesh. Now, even though Bina is very far from what we call something, but it's already the seed of something. That's why it's called Giza. It's called the root. And particularly, it's called Giza because it's Geza Yishai. It's the root of the evolving godliness of Mashiach. Here's where Mashiach comes in, which is the baby born from the Shekhinah, from Malchus, which is a more concrete, definitive presence of the divine within creation in the form of invested and imbued in the form of, in the human form, and ultimately even in the physical form of Mashiach Tzadkenu. So being that it's the root of this definition, it's called Giza, which is the root. Shvil is the path, which is the power of connecting these two opposites. Nothingness and something. How do you connect non, no and yet? How do you connect something that is, that is, that is energy is, 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 is to withdraw into non-definition, into non-beingness, to something whose energy is to define and specify and go into beingness. And obviously these two things are moving in two opposites. Their, their very nature is in two opposites. So you need this incredible power that can pull the nothingness and down and lift the somethingness up to cause the nothing and the something to click and hold on to each other. And that's the power of Das. And that's why it's called Shvil, a path that connects. Das means to, to connect to opposite. Man and woman connecting is through the power of Das. There are also two opposite energies, fire and water. To connect the two, it's through the power of Das. That's why your physical union is called Va'odam Yoda. Knowledge is that connector that, that bonds the two, brings them together. 
not knowledge as information, but the power of this concentration, the power of, of, uh, of bringing it together, that's the path. That's the, that part of the Aleph, the Vav of the Aleph. Okay, once we've learned that, let's allow for the last passage of the Zohar. Now I'm going to read some Zohar over here. Now again, for those who followed the last few classes, that might have been a lot of repetition. Sorry. For those who didn't follow the last few classes, that might have been way too little of explanation. And uh, now we're going to continue, see what we're going to read. Okay. Now the Zohar says, after the, the Zohar is continuing to explain the psukim, the verses that Bilam is saved. So he says, again, the last words were, an am yishkon, the Jewish people live alone. And ubagoyim amongst the nations, lo yizchasho, they're not, they're not included, they're not counted amongst the nations. We had an interesting explanation about that last week, I don't want to repeat it, all about the language of Hebrew and its, its quality and which through the letters we can see much deeper because of the investment of the Israel, of the emotions into the letters, the letters are saturated not just with the letters but with much deeper godliness than the letters themselves. And that's why by analyzing the letters we can get very deep knowledge and intimate knowledge of that which is the secret of the cosmos beyond and beyond and beyond and beyond. That's what we learned in the last words by Goyim Lo Now we're holding on the next verse that Bilam says. He says, Mi mana afar Yaakov. Who can count the earth of Jacob? Even, you know, Bilam is speaking prophecy. He's speaking in, in uh, poetic words. So even just to, just to de decode his simple meaning of his words needs needs a commentary. But what does he say? Who can count Afar Yaakov, the earth of Jacob? Rashi says what it means is who can count the mitzvot, the commandments that the Jewish people do with earth. That even earth, which is such a lowly thing, there are so many mitzvot that we do with earth. And then, like covering the blood with earth, and then there is the earth that is used by the testing of the uh, woman that is, we're suspicious that she was engaging in immoral behavior and so on and so forth. It's hard to understand what does he mean, how can count? If you go through the Torah, it's basically just two mitzvot that we actually do with the earth, I think, two. So what does he mean, who can count? We could count, it's only two. It's a good question, uh, not for now. Uh, but the, the deeper meaning, we're soon going to see, what does this mean, who can count? In the deeper meaning, the Zohar is not going to say who can count. That me means who can count? We don't know who can count. Oh, by the way, let me first finish the verse. Who can count the earth of Jacob? Umispar and can count, give a number, Esrova Yisrael. Simple it means a quarter of Israel. Who can count a quarter of Israel? What in the world is he talking about? So Rashi gives his interpretation on that second half. Also, Rova, Rashi learns, is not Rova, it means revealed, which is the idea of the intimacy of the Jewish people, which is referring to the, the procreation. That means that 
so many children will be born, and those children are coming as a result of the, of the, of the, um, of their intimacy, and um, and that's what he's referring to. Okay, that's according to Rashi's simple meaning. Oh. The Zohar is giving obviously over here a pirush, an explanation, al pisot, based on the mystical. And how does this connect? We'll have to understand how is this all connecting to this idea that we're talking about before that Bilam is now seeing Israel in its root and its and in its ability to channel down, down, down into the world. So let's see what the Zohar says. Let me read to you just simply. And everything that the Zohar says as is, don't expect to understand a word. But after we learn the commentary from the Alter Rebbe, it will begin to fall into place. So the Zohar says, Mi mana afar Yaakov. So first the Zohar is going to explain the meaning of the word me. So the Zohar says, what's me? Me, ahun Me is this high point. Whenever you say a point, mean it's not yet, it's pre-designed. It's just a point. Like the letter Yud, it's a point. Which is what? A point where, Reisha, where the head, the Giza, and the root, Ushvila, and the, and the pathway, which we discussed before, that are these three things. The head, the root, and the path. Bitmiru ihu. Are still in a state of concealment. That's the meaning of the word me. Uh, which I will already give a little commentary. In other words, we're the Aleph that we spoke about before, which is the combination of the Chachma and the Bina which create that Vav, which flow into the Vav, which are the six emotions, when this Aleph is in a very, very, very preliminary state, it's still in an unborn potential. And that's when it's all still in the point. Imagine someone taking a, 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 taking a quill and putting it into the ink. And let's say there's enough, enough, enough ink to write the full letter, Aleph. But at this point, they just have the point of ink and they begin to put it down on the parchment, on the paper, and all you have is just a dot. But that dot is of ink. If you don't let it dry up, right? It's still a dot of wet ink. Is going to, from that little point, you're going to spread out the brush of the quill, is going to take it and make it into an Aleph. So at this point, you have all the, the whole dynamic of the head, the root, and the line in between still in a point, and that's called me, who? Because it's still in its abstraction. Now, when I'm talking about an aleph on a parchment, I'm talking about a little uh, aleph on a parchment. But what this is, what this is uh, symbolizing is the cosmos. <laughs> We're talking about the pre-cosmos. The pre-cosmos in its pre, 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 pre state, that, that, that first point, where, as we're soon going to see, where the yud is the source to become the hay, but it's not yet a hay, it's just the yud, just the point, right? So simply it would be the point of chachma, because chachma is still a point, it's not yet a design. But we're going to see soon in his interpretation, it's not chachma, it's chachma already flowing into bina. That's when it's called me, because me is also, mem yud is 50. Mem is 40, Yud is 10, 50. 50 is a number associated with Bina, not with Chachma. 
but it's Bina in its most pristine beginnings. It's Bina as Bina is just beginning to receive from Chachma before it develops into a f- complete structure. It's like the, the, the power of analysis that's in the left side of the brain as it is receiving the point before it begins to, before it begins to develop its analysis and its, its expansion. It's just at that very, very beginning of receiving. So that's when it's called me. So let's read it again. I can't contain myself. I'm already giving explanation. I think it's going to be easier this way than just reading it cryptically and then you know confusing everybody. So it's a point. Resha, where you have the head, Vegiza and the root, Ushvila and the path, Bitmira Ihu, it's still hidden. That's why it's called me. And therefore, but it's a level that is so hidden that you can't even acquire about it. Anybody on the outside can't even ask about it. There's nothing even to ask. It's like, you know, a teacher gives a class. After the class, you're confused. And you have questions. So you have a million questions you want to ask the teacher. That's when the class was given. But before the teacher even opened their mouth and before they even said anything, it's just, a, it's just they're walking in with the, you know, and you're starting to bombard. There are some students like that. They bombard the teacher with questions on the class before the teacher even, even gave the class. <laughs> so this is the, but you can't ask. I didn't teach anything. What are you asking? There's nothing here yet. Yeah, but we see it already. We can see in your face. You're <laughs> so we're already questioning. The Zohar says, at this point, like Kaimel Shaila, you can't ask anything yet. Aval, however, Mishata, from the time, the Sha'ari when it's beginning to be built, when permission is granted for it to be Ispana, to it to be structured. That means when Bina is already emerging into Bina, which means, Bina means understanding, which means you're taking the seed of an idea, the kernel of an idea, and you're beginning to dissect it and to see all of its details. So therefore, it's opening up into an expansion, which that's what Bina is all about. Then, and to become a chamber in this expanded space, it's a chamber. For what? For the kernel to come in, the kernel of Chachma, the... the, 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 the the, 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 the point, the inner point of the idea to, to, to come into that space, to fill that space. <inaudible> to become a chamber, how does that happen? What forces the point into an expansion? <inaudible> that's with his will. With his will. That means that there's a power transcending the Chachma and the Bina that's causing the Chachma, which is the point, to expand into the analysis of into the, into the analytical side of the mind to expand. Without a will, it doesn't happen. So there's a power of the soul that transcends the epiphany and causes it's, a, it's, it's an idea which is not going to be elaborated over here, but Bina's expansion is rooted in Keter, in crown, which is higher than Chachma. Even though Bina is lower than Chachma. But the ability that Bina has to take an undefinable point and to extrapolate details and ramification and expansion is because really Bina is rooted in the pre-consciousness of Keser and over there it gets that ability to unlock the secrets that are hidden in Chachma. 
That's an interesting idea. So once the Bina begins to expand, the Shada she's given permission, is Bana to be built, to become a chamber, with, with um, the desire, the Ikra, and now it's called me. Me means who, but a different level of who. Not the me that we spoke about before when it's still locked, when it's still a closed point, when it's not yet, without that first bit of ink that we said before it expands. There, it's a me, it's unknown. Me means unknown, but not an unknown that you can't even ask. It's so unknown that you're not even provoked to ask about it because it's not even provoking a question because it's still so hidden that it's too hidden to bring even a question. Now, it's still very lofty because it hasn't yet descended, the baby hasn't been born yet, it hasn't yet been brought down, but it's already in a state where you can ask questions about it, you can inquire about it. It provokes an inquiry, it, it, it provokes a question. And that's the idea of the ikrami, now it's called me, which is what, which now you can ask a question from it. It's called me, the kaimala sha'ila. It's me that you can ask about. Shara, now it's, um, it begins, Shara le'izbena, it starts to be built. Diyukna, diyukna delay mamish. Now when she's already a full structure, now she can receive from Chachma. And the impregnation can happen. The Chachma Bina becomes pregnant from the energy of Chachma, which means that this intellectual um, expansion begins silently in a very subtle way to create an excitement, an emotion. But the emotion is still brewing within the intellect. So that's called a baby within its source. It's not yet an identifiable emotion. And again, we're talking about God's emotions. Can't, keep it, can't, can't forget that. We're talking about, but again, the human psyche is used just as an example and as a metaphor for the divine because God created us in his image and therefore we can see how, the, how things evolve within us and apply them to its source. So, oh, so now when this baby is being born, since the fetus that's now being born in the mother, which is the excitement, is really... A something that was germinated from who? From from the father. Again, the father gave to the mother. It's like a physical intimacy. Man gives to the woman, and the woman creates. A baby, a lot of time or many times, has the father's features. What does the mother do then? The mo the mother brings forth. Again, if you're looking at the seminal drop, you're not seeing nothing. It's just a drop. It's a potential. But when that seminal drop becomes fertilizes the egg and there is a, a child being born, and then you look at this child, you say, hey, there's daddy. So the child is in the image of the father. So it is in the excitement, in the Israel above that's being built is literally in the image of Chachma, as much as you can say Chachma has an image. The whole idea of Chachma we spoke earlier is ayin, is nothingness, but it's in accordance to the image of Chachma. And that means the yukna delay mamish. It's literally in his image. Apik, he he brings forth the yukna delay. Here in Zohar it says nukba delay. It's a mistake. The Alter Rebbe's Gerson the Zohar is Apik. He gives forth the yukna delay. His image 
in the image of his mother. That means, because the baby that's born is not just going to be the image of the father. It's not just the mother is producing, taking the father's potential and producing the baby. She's not just the oven that bakes it. And then here, here's your, here's, here's your, you know, here's your, uh, here's your, um, your cake or whatever you, you made. That's not what it is. The mother also imprints herself in, in it. That's why the baby that's born is a combination of mom and dad. It's got both features. So it says, Apik, he, when he brings forth, diyukna delay, his image, bidiyukna deime, with the, with the image of the mother as well. So Chachma and Bina together create now this child. Again, but there's two levels. Who's really responsible? Where does it really start? It really starts by the Shatchan. It really starts the moment mom and dad met for the first time and they have their first date. Is anybody talking about children yet? Is there even a potential? Yeah, but had they not met, there will never be children. So me, at this level, it's still, still unknown, utterly unknown. The child is still utterly unknown. Unknown of unknown. You can't even ask on this place. But... It's from this connection of me, even in its most abstract of abstract, that's already what is beginning the process of creating the child. Even though it will need to first descend from that very unknown me to a much lower level of me where Bina becomes already a full-fledged structure, an expansive vessel to receive from Chachma and to take the Chachma energy and open it up in her space and thereby bringing forth all the details and all the potential that there is in this child and, and, and in psychological means it means that the intellect brings forth the richness and all the nuances of the emotion and then if I, in the end together from the power of father and the power of, of mother this baby is born in his image and in her image And that's what he's going to learn is the meaning of me, mana. Doesn't mean who can count. We'll see. You know, let, let, let's let, let's read a little further, and we'll see how it fits in the verse. Let's read a little further. Now the Zohar continues. My me, what is me? Doreisha vegiza ushvila. That's the head. Remember, we said earlier as a undefinable point, which is, has within it the, 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 the entire Aleph, the entire structure of the Aleph. So he says, Doresha, that's the head, the Giza and the root. The head is the top of the Yud, the top of the Aleph, the upper Yud. Giza is the bottom of the Aleph, the lower Yud. Shvila is the path that runs in the middle. The Ispashit Lisbina, that the Ispashit, and now it expands to be built up. First, it's structured. The Bina gets structured from the Yud, from this undefinable point where Chachma and Bina are connected but very, 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 very abstract. Then the Bina emerges and her first structure is in one, is in one Hechal, in one, one side. As he explains, we'll soon see. It means that first when, when Bina emerges from the Yud 
and you expand the Yud, you have a horizontal line and you have a, a right side line. But you don't have yet a left side. It's a Dalit. The Yud expands like this way and that way. Later she becomes pregnant, she gets the bottom leg, which is the, the, the left leg. But first, her own expansion is just two, di- two dimensions, horizontal and downward. So that's called chad heichalo, one heichal, but as he explains right away, it's not really a full structure. Because in order for a building to be a building, it needs at least three walls. That means there's going to have to be a right side, there's going to have to be a left side. And you don't have a left side in the Dalit. So we're going to see. So that's why Bipshita, first its initial emergence is chad heichalo, one, one chamber. But letrein sitrin bane, but when it, its real building, its real structure is the two sides. Okay. And the two sides is because it, 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 it's going to build something that's going to have three dimensions. Well, you know, we'll wait for the interp- interpretation inside to understand this better. And even though it's birth now, that it's going to now give birth to, as a result of this union of father and mother, of Chachma and Bina, to create the child, it's going to bring forth this Vav. We said before, Vav is the six emotions, which is the product, which is the child. So even though it's, it's giving birth to a boy, but the boy is going to have simultaneously with him, born together with him, a twin sister. So too it will bring forth, he gives forth, who? Father, in his production, and his... Um, 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 germination in which he germinates his child along with his boy he's going to provide his boy with a girl and in the sense even though they're brother and sister but in the supernal union above they get married and this is Malchut which is the Shekhinah which is the wife the designated wife who is later going to marry the Zeir Ampin the six emotions which is going to become the, the, the missing link that is necessary for creation to happen because the six emotions are then going to flow into speech. So and remember we spoke about this in, primarily in the second class. We were talking about that when that, that included in this vav, remember in the bottom vav of the hay, in the bo- left side of the hay there is a vav, on the bottom there is a little yud sticking out like the letter tuf, it goes out, the yud, and that's the malchus which is also born already, which means the potential letters. Not only are emotions created from the intellect, but letters, words that can carry emotions are also created. Which is, which is the feminine element of letters, of speech. So that's the malchut is also created already. As he says, even though it's bringing forth the Yisrael, the, the Yisrael Israel, the Iuvav, which is the Vav, Oif Hachi, Apik Lenukvedile, it's also, he is also bringing forth his female, whose female? His partner, the son, the, the, the six emotions, partner that is going to partner, that's his, his wife, kechadot together, he's preparing her for him. Just like we see that when Adam was created, Arab, Adam was created with an extra rib. And that extra rib is going to become Eve. So it wasn't that Adam was created first without Eve, without Chava. And then God later gave him, created Chava independently. He created Chava as an inherent part of 
of, of, of Adam, of Adam. Adam and Chava were created together, male and female. And then later she was separated. So this is the idea. But she was not created as a full-fledged entity. She was created as like included in him and then separated. So that, also based on that, that now we're saying that the, that the, 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 the words, the world of Malchut, which are the words, are not a product of the emotions. They're a product of the same two parents, Chachma and Bina, create the son and they create the daughter, and eventually the ability for the two of them to get married. And as a result of that, birth the creation and all the energy that flows into the creation. So uh, um, uh, who, who's responsible for that? This union, and the union is called me, now we understand the meaning of the verse. Me, mana, mana over here doesn't mean count. Mana over here means prepared. From the word man. Man, we ate mana in the midbar. We ate man. Man was prepared food. God prepared sandwiches for us every day. It's called man, prepared. Me, the level of me, see how, how the mystical is so different. Me, mana, who can count? Afar Yaakov, the earth of Jacob. That's a simple meaning. Who can count? The deeper meaning, me, the entity called me, mana, prepared already. In other words, didn't just give a boy, create a boy, and then he doesn't have a shidduch. He already prepared mana, he already prepared afar Yaakov, the earth of Yaakov. Yaakov is the man. The earth of Yaakov is the female that receives the man. That's called earth. Because malchus is called earth. Because it's the lowest level of the divine. And therefore it's called the earth. We find it in, amongst the sages, they refer to the woman is called Mother Earth. She's associated with Earth, just like Earth produces everything. Has the power to grow, the woman has the power to create and all that. It's all from, from, from Earth. That's where we find the deep connection. And see, well, next week in the Torah also, that when they have to check the woman out, if she's pure or not, she, they take from the Earth of the Mishkan and they mix it in the water in that drink. The earth, because a woman inherently is related to the level of called earth. So who prepared the earth of Jacob? And we also know in the marriage, a woman grounds a man. Without, the, without a woman, a man is all over the place. He's nowhere. He needs to get married. She grounds him. She, she stabilizes him. Puts his feet on the ground. And that's why she's called the earth of Jacob. So me, Mana, he's the one who prepared Afar, Yaakov the Zohar says. Mana kamada at Omar. Now he learns the word mana means vayaman lahem amelech. The king prepared for them food. This is talking about, uh, I think, Hanania, Mishol, and Azariah, or Daniel. The king prepared for them something. Vayaman. Umishloyach monos. Or when we send gifts to each other, we say we, 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 we send prepared baskets. You know, we know today's days people work so hard to make nice shalach manos. It's a prepared, it's not just, you know, here, take an orange. <laughs> People work on preparing it. It's a prepared dish that you send to someone. He gave him, that means father and mother, when they created their son, they gave him an awesome gift. And that is his wife. And they prepared her together as one from him and within him. In that expansion that they expanded, that's the Vav. Remember, the Vav is the expansion. They bring both of them out. The Vav and the 
and the Yud connected to the bottom of the Vav, which is the Malchus element, the emotion together with the words, together, male and female, both of them together. In one second, the Zohar says, he brings out the son and the daughter. Valda, and that's why also the boy is called heaven and the woman is called earth. And, the say, and he brings the idea that heaven and earth were created instantly at the same time. It wasn't that first God made heaven and then he made earth, even though you might think so when you read the verse in the beginning when he created heaven and earth. But the Zohar says both were created equally. Heaven is the influencer, that's the male. Woman is the influenced and the recipient, that's the female. Both of them together. And this applies on all levels, all the way up to the emergence of male and female in the divine. Is They were both created together at the same instant. Now that we read this, before we continue further what it means, let's read it inside. And I explained a lot of it already, so it's going to go pretty quickly. But obviously we're going to... Okay. I just read the Zohar, now let's read his interpretation. Now, obviously, I already explained. So it doesn't, it's not as cryptic as it would have sounded like. Had I not explained anything, it would have been just one big cryptic mess. The, I already integrated in the teaching of the Zohar the meaning of it, according as the Ripshnir Zalman of Liadi, who is the ability, who had the incredible ability to crack the Zohar open and to reveal its hidden gems and its hidden secrets. Now, all of this will be... Explained based on what we said before. The Piddish give it. Roish to the Merenu in the top of mountains. I see him. The Inim of Ulamaila, we've already explained above. The Inyan Havav. Shebehedishoina, that in the upper, in the first hay of God's name, Yud K Vav K, there's a first hay and a latter hay. So in the Vav of the first hay, the Shemavaya of the Shemavaya of Yud K Vav K. Shubchenas Iburza Bebina, which is the level. Where, be, where the Ze'er Anpin is in a state of fetus, in a state of pregnancy, in Bina, in the mother. And what is that? When the light of the mother, when the light of the father, which is called Chachma, transmits to Bina, and Bina receives from Chachma, the kernel of somethingness, the kernel, the beginning of, 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 of a little drop, a little point of the infinite, which will serve as the power to construct everything. So when she receives this flow from the light of Abba, Father, Shuhu Yud, which is the Yud, then she's called me. So, oh, so earlier we learned that what? That... The vav inside the hay is once she's already received and she became pregnant with it. But before that, before she received this influence, to give birth to the midas, to the emotions, so bina itself is still called, she's also called a point. Once she's already becomes a pregnant woman, which means she's already a vessel to receive and to develop a full-fledged container, so to speak, to receive and to have that ability to 
to, to, to extract the details and so on and so forth, uh, that's, then she's already, uh, that's already a lower level. But when she's still prior to that, just making the connection, at that point, she too is called a point. She's called a higher because she's almost like swallowed, enamored in him. She's not so much pronounced as her. She's more lost in the masculine light of the energy of the point. And, 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 and that is called me, who, and he's explaining how the Bina which is a recipient of Chachma, why she's called me. Because Chachma is called Yam. Chachma is called, we know there's a phrase called Yam HaChachma, the sea of wisdom. Chachma is Yam. Now what's Yam? means spell a sea, an ocean. It's Yud Mem. The Yud is before the Mem. Yud Mem is Chachma, Yam HaChachma. Now let's understand why. It's an ocean because even a tiny drop of the infinite is infinite. So it's an ocean. It's an ocean. She, the Bina, that's going to receive from Chachma and begin to dissect and, and, and break it down and, and emerge the, the, the various different colorings and, 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 and unearth the potentials of this otherwise infinite energy. So when she receives it, you know, when it's going, when things move from one side to the other side, it flips over. So from the Yam, as it's coming to the recipient, it turns like one facing the other, it becomes, the yam becomes me. In Chachma it's called yam, when it goes on the other side it becomes me. That's why Bina is called me. The opposite of the letters of yam of Chachma, ki do as it is known. That's why he says over here, the me that this me, is a very high point. The Pnimi is Bina, the inner point of Bina. Bina in its most exalted state, the innermost point of Bina. Shesham, which on this level, Reisha, the head, Giza, and the root, Vishvila, and the path, Bitmira Adain are still hidden. As we spoke earlier, it's like the point of the Aleph when you're putting the point of, when you just have one point of ink before you develop this whole Aleph. It's the mother before she's. she's before she's having yet her children, before she's beginning to, the, it's, it's, it's the initial, it's her first date. <laughs> the potential children are going to be there, but it's still, it's still at this early stage. Pity, she explains, Shvil is the Das, the level of Das. That includes the Chesed and Gavura element, the father and mother, which we learned is already the structure of the Aleph, Shuhureisha, which is the head, the Giza and the root, which are the two yuds and the two sides of the Aleph. Canal Bitsir Tumunis Aleph Bivav, like the, the image of the of the Aleph with a Vav obeys Yudin and two Yuds. Adayan Husham, but on this level it's still still in a very concealed state. Because at this point she's still lost in her husband. Now obviously. We can learn later, this baby is in the image of the father. That means in the father itself, there is the potential already. But in such a subtle state, it's called the six directions of the light of father. So the very notion that we can speak of six directions means it's a potential of a potential of a potential. But still lost in the infinite. 
And because it's still unpronounced and still lost, when she's attached to this level, she's too just as still an undefinable point. Canal bepidish kimeroish tsunemerenu at the at the at the peaks. That's what we said earlier. That I see, I see Israel. I see the six emotions when it's still rooted in the father, as we spoke earlier, seeing the child in the seminal drop of the father. You can't. There's not much structure there. There's not much form there. V'zau sha'amar, and this is what he says. B'tmido deloy kaimus l'shaila labar. It's a type a type of hiddenness where you can't even question. There's a level of hiddenness where you're telling me something I'm just, you're revealing. It, I'm just confused about what you're revealing. I need clarification. But then there's a level of hiddenness which is still, you can't even ask about it because nothing was said yet. That's the, it's, it's still pre, that's the, that's the point. At this point, you don't know yet the existence of the emotions. To sense them, klal at all, therefore you can't even ask about them. But at the time that it is begins to be structured, to be built, Piddish. What does that mean? When mother begins to receive the light and the influence from the father. is to give birth to the emotions. which that is called that's called a point. That's already going into a hechal, it's going into a full a room, a hechal means a chamber. It's a full chamber, it's a full outer structure that's going to be the space for the idea, for the kernel, for the point to open up and to become an entire edifice. Like it is known in the letter Bez of the word Reishis. Reishis is Chachma. Reishis is the beginning. It's the quintessential drop. And what's Bereishis in the beginning? It's when the light of Chachma, Reishis, is received in the base. The base is the is the is the is the is the structure that can receive the point. That's the process of creation. A kernel, a flash, an epiphany of God is now received and structured in a full developed understanding. So that's the base receiving the ratios. That's why it's interesting the sages say base ratios, that they separate the word ratios from the base. Because base is the is the receptacle, is the vessel. And ratios is the energy. The energy is a point that goes into the base. Maybe the ratios is the aleph. The aleph is not yet part of creation. Because Chachma is called aleph. A'alefcha, I will teach you Chachma. So maybe the aleph is, the, is, is not seen. The base is what you can see. Oz nikra, then it's called me, the kaimul That's a lower level of me. Earlier was me, the higher level of me was me, the flip side of Chachma. Yam. Me as she's still re- directly receiving from Chachma and she's still lost in the Chachma. She's not yet, a, she doesn't have yet a stance on her own to be, a, to be a, a, a container. She's still lost in her husband. Then she's called me, opposite of the word, but that's a me that you can't ask about. Then when she lowers down and becomes a me that could be asked about because she's a full structure and now she's already has the space to create the emotions, to become pregnant and to re- create the emotions from it. Like it says, this idea that on the lower level of Bina, you can ask about her. It's like earlier in the Maimah, we learned that that's the difference between Bina and Tavuna. Tavuna is already when she's a source already for her children. So that's where you can ask already. Where do you see this idea that you can ask already? He brings a verse. The verse says, Please ask the early days. 
So he gives a mystical interpretation. Simply, it's, it's a pasuk. Sha'al noli yamin is where 128. Oh, it's in Eschanon. In Deuteronomy, Eschanon. It says, please ask the early days. What is the deeper meaning? Yamim, yamim days are the emotions. As we said, six days a week God created. Six days are the six emotions. What does it mean, the early days? The early days means the divine emotions when they're still in a early stage. What's the early stage of the divine emotions when they're not yet born, when they're pre-born? They're in a fetus, a state of fetus. So when the, when the, when the emotions are still in a pre-state, they're called yamim rishonim, the early days. What does the Pasuk say? Sha'alna, ask the Yomim Rishonim. That means that when the days are in a fetus state within the mother, you can ask about them. Simply, it's because, like, when a woman is pregnant and you can notice her pregnancy, you can ask. So, what are you having? You know, if it's going to be a boy, you know, it's going when are you having the baby? But when a woman conceives, no one knows. She herself doesn't know. And it's no one's business when she had her intimacy with her husband. That's like, that's not, over there you don't mess in, you don't stick your nose in, that, that's private. When she's pregnant, she's pregnant, she's going to have a baby. Okay, so these questions can start. Beyond that place, there's no questions. No one knows. It's, it's, it's a concealed state. So, in, in, in the spiritual dynamics, is at this point you can already ask. Before that, you can't ask. Shenzayin tachtoin is the bina, which are the seven lower elements of bina. Over that you can ask. Like explained in Zohar, many places. And then there, you, there is pregnancy. In the womb of the mother. And that's why you see the vav is inside. The vav is inside the hay. That's that, the left leg of the vav. That's the vav that's in the in the first hay, kenis kliyau, bepidush, and that's the meaning of. And we learned earlier in the beginning of the discourse, umigvaois, and from the hills, ashurenu. It's ashurenu means I see him, but ashurenu also means it's stepping out, because the baby is already emerging outward. V'zau shaman, and that's why he says mishaita deshari lizbina from the time that it starts to be structured. When the bina starts to become a vessel, which means bina is going more into her own position. Not lost in her husband. She is becoming more of an identity of her own, which is her power. What's her power is to dissect, to, to bring out the details, to, to uncover the, the, the specifics. She's a base kibble, she's a, a recipient. To the length and to the, to the length and to the width. Like a hay coming from a yud. We started with a yud. When she's on the upper level of me, the higher level of me, opposite of yam, she's still only a yud. But then that yud expands and becomes a hay. What's a hay? An expansion horizontally and an expansion vertically. Oi bays, or like the bays of Beratius. Bays is a full, is a, is, is a house. It's got three, right? Now she can receive the light of the father. Bishvil told her for the sake of giving birth, birth, nikra bias. Then she's called a house. A woman is called a home as well. The woman is called a home. Like it says, with wisdom, yivne bias is built the house. With wisdom, a house is built. The deeper meaning, chachma, 
gives the energy to Bina, and Bina creates a house out of it, a whole structure out of it. And that's what the Zohar says, to create a heichal, to create a chamber, with his desire. And remember we said earlier that this power for Bina to dissect and to open, to unlock Chachma, some, some might argue that she's much weaker than Chachma. All she does is take what Chachma has and, and opens it up. So what's the big deal? Nah. The very fact that Chachma, everything is hidden, and Bina can open it, means that there's a certain superiority to Bina over Chachma. Chachma has to, must keep the energy in a very concentrated point. Bina has the ability to expand. That's because Bina has a certain quality rooted Higher than Chachma. Because this structure of Bina is rooted by Keser in the crown. Shu'a Ratzon, which is, we know generally, Keser crown, is considered the level of will. And the sages say, where do you see that Bina is rooted in such a lofty place of, of, of Keser? Sages say, Hakol Taloi Bemazel. Sages say that everything needs luck. It's amazing how all these teachings of the sages that seem to be so simple have such deep meaning behind. The simple meaning of the sages is that everything needs to be lucky. Even a Sefer Torah has to have mazel. You tell a person you should have good mazel. What's that? People know. Some people have good mazel. Some people, they don't have the mazel. It's like being at the right place at the right time. And there are some people that they always work out to be at the right place at the right. They always win raffles. They always win lotteries. They're always at the right moment. They're successful wherever they go. There's like a certain luck that they have. It's called having a good mazel. And there are those that are what we call ashla mazel. <laughs> wherever the mazel is, they're always next door. They always miss the mazel. Right? Okay. So we say everything is dependent on good mazel. Even a Torah. A safer Torah. Why? If you go to shul, you'll see that there are certain Torahs that are always taken out. For some reason, they're the lucky ones. They always read in them. Then there's always one or two Sifri Torahs in a shul that are in the back. No one ever takes them out. Besides Simchas Torah, when they dance with the Torah, all year long, they sit there lonely and unread. So you see, even a, even a Sefer Torah depends on Mazel. Why this one? Yeah, not one. I don't know. For some reason, they decided to read in this one every Shabbos. And the other one sits lonely. That's the simple meaning, the sages are saying. But there's a much deeper meaning. Everything the sages are speaking on levels upon levels. There's no words that they say that are just cute. It's deep in deep deep significance. Torah is chachma. Torah is emanates safer hechal. Safer Torah is chachma. Hechal for the Torah that's the bina. Hakol talu b'mazel afila safer Torah shebehechal means mazel is keser. Keser is called mazel because mazel comes from the word drip, 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 drip. From keser, from the ins, from the ein sof, there is a drip of energy flow. And so everything is hanging. Everything totally by mazel is rooted in mazel. Afilo Torah which means bina, which is related to hechal, is reluded. It could even be that sefer Torah also means bina. Sefer. Sefer is bina. It's a discussion, not for now. And it's all dependent on mazel, which is the idea of keser. Which the Sefer Torah is the, the point of Abba in the hechal, in the chamber of Bina. 
is explained elsewhere with Ayla Maven. That's not the main topic over here. So now, once she is structured and she can receive, when she's now pregnant, who is she pregnant with? His child. And the child that is going to be born is going to resemble him. It's going to be an image of him. We said earlier, we said earlier in the explanation of the words at the beginning of, of the tops of mountains, I see him. Shahabina nikra tsur ilah. The bina is called the supernal tsur. Tsur can mean a rock, strong one. Tsur can also mean the artist. Bina is the supernal artist because all of the universe is all structured in bina. Kamashakasav ain't tsur keloikeinu. There is no tsur elokeinu. Elokeinu, we said, is bina. Chachma is called havaya. There's no tsur, there's no designer. Like Elokeinu, like the power of Bina that designs the cosmos, right? Aval, but even though she designs the design, where does she receive the drop of ink from? That she receives from. She can't design anything on her own. She needs to receive the potential from her husband. And in the ink is the potential of the entire art. It's all there in that drop of ink. Aval or she receives this Image may oir Abba from the light of the Father. She's Tzur, and he's called Rosh, the head of the Tzurim, of the, of the artist. And like in the birth process of a man and a woman, the seminal drop, even though the mother is the one that is the designer, in nine months she's designing and creating from nothing. She's creating a magnificent human being. But she's creating it similar to the father. Like it said, then he give birth in his image. When you structure the house in Bina, after she receives from the light of father, she can build up this child in the image of the light of her husband, of the father, Mamish. This is the Ibor, this is the pregnancy of the Ze'er Ampen, which Ze'er Ampen are the six emotions, which is godliness already in a form of six days, a form of the emotions that are driving creation. It is really in the form of the level of father, which is pre-emotion, pre-everything, it's just a droplet of the infinite. It's in the image of the light of Father Mamish, like it says, Ma is his name, Ma is the name of his son, which a few weeks ago in a mimer I explained that from the Pasuk, that it really is a question that someone is asking me, did you ever, did someone else ever do create the worlds? No, it's talking about Moshe Rabbeinu, talking about the greatness of Moses. And, the, and it's saying, is there anybody that's like him? If yeah, tell me, Mashamo, what's his name and what's the, what's, the, what's the name of his son? Tell me something. If there's anybody who can compare to Moses, to Moshe, Mashamo, what's his name? What's the name of That's the simple. But Hasidus always has a Mashamo, that Ma is his name. Chachma is called Ma 45. We discussed a little bit about this on the Monday class. You can listen to that. It's called uh, the Bannered Legions. We discussed a little bit about the power of 45, what it means, 
Koyachma, the power of Chachma. But we say the, pa, the power of Chachma is his name, Chachma, but that power of Ma, of Koyachma, is also imprinted in his son, who is the son, the Ze'er Anpin, has of the father. Kenes Kalyal Barichos, as we explained earlier, V'day Lameh. V'apik di yukne de lebe di yukne de ema. When he drink, brings forth Chachma, who's the main power in this birth, even though the mom does all the work, the power for it is all the father. When he brings forth his child, he shares him, he shares his child with mom in the sense that she adds her imprint as well. So when the child comes out, he's reflecting both father and mother. The light of father who is the primary one that is causing the birth. And he brings forth the image of the midos, of the Zeir Hanpin, of the emotions of the Zeir Hanpin, in his image. And also in the image of the mother. Like we said in the beginning of the Maimer. That from the side of the mother, itmatach becomes, it expands. Like the image of, remember we said the letter of the Aleph, which is the, the emergence of the Ze'er Anpin, which is called the Israel, which is called the Aleph, that there's input from two Yuds, from the Yud of the top, that's Chachma, and input from the Yud of the bottom, which is Ima, together it, going into the middle, into the Vav. That the Bina is also imparting and delivering into the Vav, She's going upward and infusing into him. Just like a baby. Just like a baby that's born from the combination of male and female. And that's why he has within him from both. That's hinted to in the word Bina itself. The child that comes from father and mother. Because the word Bina has the word Ben. Ben means a son. But the son, Yud K, in the word Bina, you also have a Yud and a He. Yud is Chachma, He is Bina. He's a son of both. The Chachma Bina, the Dailam Even, and is enough to those who understand. My, me. So now the Zohar continues. What does me mean? The Reisha Yud, that's the head, the Yud. This Pashit, but when it expands down, the Izbana to be built. Bepshita, the Chadechala, first in one Hechal, and then in two. Remember, we spoke about that, so he explains. It's referring to what it said earlier. It's that first point where everything is still combined as one. But later it emerges outward to become a full-fledged structure. Which is the Yud of Chachma. And from the Yud Nasa Oirech becomes a length. The um, vertical line. And Reichev and the breath, which is the Horizontal line, Sholahe of the He. From the Yud, where does the He come from? The very, very little, if you look at a letter of Yud, you have a little point, a little thorn going up and a little thorn going down. From the bottom point that goes down, that's the source for Bina, for Bina's expansion. As explained in Paradise, some of Makamacher explained elsewhere. This is what he says over here. It expands, to be built. From the lower point of the Yud, to be a full structure, to length, and breath. 
And this that it says, Masha Omar, this that the Zohar says, Lebei Sitrin Bani, it's been built up to two sides. It's not really called yet a full-fledged chamber, Mamish. It's not, uh, it's two two sides it will be built, but it's not yet fully called a full structure. When will it be a full structure? When it's the image of a base. What does a base have? A base is closed off from three sides. That's already a, a sukkah, has to have three walls, right? Something, an enclosure of three is called a house. When you only have two, you're not really, it's not really a home, it's not livable. Mukif megimel ruchais, it has to be closed from three directions. Sheyesh by base sitrin, which once you have three sides, you have two sides, which is right and left. Mamish, liyamin ulismoil, right and left. Masha and kimbitsir dalis, when you only have the letter dalid, not a base, a dalid only has a roof and one side. Behei beliregel, and especially what? When the, the dalit of the hay, but it doesn't have yet the left little leg, so it doesn't have any left wall. It's just as two walls. Ain sham sitrin, you don't have two sides, you don't have right and left. Only length and breadth. It's not a complete structure. So the intention is that it should be built on both sides. But the beginning of its emergence is only on one side. But the beginning of the way it expands is to one side. Ketzir hadal is like the image of the dalit. And only afterwards is pashat latrein sitrin. It expands to both sides. Mamish. Chesed is on one side. Because the child that's going to be born is the Zeiranpin. It has chesed and it has gavura. And the roof is the das, because the das is the source of all the six, six emotions. And the das that includes them both. Emor is the acronym. Esh, which is the left side, Gevura. Mayim, which is the right side, which is Chesed. And the roof is the ruach, the wind, that's das. Day to day, Yabiyah will bring forth Omer. So Yom and Yom is Chachme and Bina. Uh, Yabiyah brings forth Omer, Eish Mayim Ruach, which is the full structure, which has two sides. Now he didn't explain psychologically or meaning, what does it mean that first, when it's built, it builds only on the right, and only later does it develop on the left. He didn't, he didn't explain, and I'm not going to add my own explanation because I don't know. I did, he didn't give that. In his explanation, he doesn't, he doesn't discuss that, at least not in this discourse, so I don't know. And from this, it is structured, the building, the structure of the midot in Bina. In Bina, which is the left leg on the hay, Gamkein. So the Midas, just like Bina itself, has a right, a chesed and a gavura and a das, her child that's going to be born, the Midot, will also have um, the regal of the hey gamkin. Here it says dalad madrega, it's four levels, but there's a footnote which says it's probably supposed to be read three levels, which makes sense, because that's what we're talking about. Right, left, and das. But see your aleph, the aleph has three, 
a chachma element, a right side, a bina element, a left side, which is chesed and gavura, and a das, which runs in the middle. Now, once we have the whole idea, how chachma and bina together create this, 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 these midot, these, these emotions, which are the, 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 the configuration of emotions, which are the, the cornerstone, which are the foundation of the cosmos, of the creation. But again, as we spoke earlier, emotions themselves don't create the world. It has to go through the medium of speech, which speech is the next level of the divine, which is malchus, which is called the shechina, which is kingship, a whole new lower level, which is the feminine level of speech. So now he's saying, as the boy emerges, which are the emotions that are the internal element of creation, the external element, which are the letters, the words, which are the malchus, are also created simultaneously. And even though the apikli yisrael, the iuvav, even though what's created in the hay is the vav, but in the bottom of the vav, don't fail to notice that in the bottom of the vav there is a twin sister, and that's the, the little yud that's at the bottom of the vav. He's also bringing forth his his shidduch, his potential match, his uh, his uh, his his future wife is now being born as a sister together. When ibor, when you have this pregnancy of the zeir in the mother, the ema of the mother, which is the vav. That's in the Hekinis in the Pirush of Ugvois, which are the hills, which is the mother, which is Bina Asheren, who we already can see, and it's not just seeing, it's it's stepping out. It's sticking its foot out, which we said out means really Malchut, because Malchus is really where energy of God exits out. Which is the root of the building, the structure of the feminine element of the Zeiran Pinkinaskalabarichus. Which is the malchut element, the kingship element of tavuna, which is the beginning of, of, of letters. Bina is already producing. It's not real words, but it's already the subtleties of letters. That's why in the word tavuna, which is another word for bina, bina as she's mothering is called tavuna. And in the word tavuna, you have the word tavuna means understanding, but it also contains within it ben, beis nun. And also contains with it in it bays the same bays that's the bays for the nun is also the bays used to combine with the letter tough which means bas so ben son and daughter both of them are born equally simultaneously in the womb of the mother they're twins it says me me is mom <laughs> as we spoke earlier me is the level of me yetencha will give you ka'achli as a brother to me. That's, that's the Shekhinah speaking. That's Knesset Yisrael. That's the Shekhinah speaking. To HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which is male. And he's saying, me has given you as my brother. You, you happen to be my husband too, but you're also my brother because we were born together. That's why sometimes it says, but even though Bina is, Malchus is born as well, from this union of Chachma and Bina. And therefore, Bina is responsible for the birth of the boy and of his sister. Yet, the girl is more associated with the father than even the boy. 
the boy is associated more with mother. It's a combination that we spoke about many times. That when parents have, you see, you see it even in, in human relationships, that fathers have a deeper connection to their daughters and mothers have a deeper connection to the son. There's a certain cross-gender uh, attachment that works. So primarily, Malchus is a son, is a daughter to him more than he is to the mother. That's why it says, She's my sister. Avram speaks about Sarah and she says, She's my wife, but she's also my sister. When he was excusing why he called Sarah his sister. She was really his wife. There she wasn't physically his sister. He said, because she's my cousin, so it's like a sister. She's actually his niece. He married his niece, Sarah. And she says, it's like my sister or whatever. She's the daughter of my father. She's a granddaughter of my father. That's what he meant. But she's a daughter of But not the daughter of my mother. So you see that the, spiritually, what does that mean? That Malchus, the Shechina, feminine element, speech, and the whole world of Olam Adibur is, is, a, is a daughter of my father, not my mother, meaning more connected to father than to mother. Then later, she, I married her. That's the idea that we're learning over here, that the Ze'eranpin and the Shechina and Malchus are born together, and then later they get married, which means he influences her. We'll soon see. It's explained in Zayr Ba'makamacha, the root of Malchus, of the female, is from the lights of chesed, of kindness, of, 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 of chachma, of Abba, father, dafka, ki Abba yasid brata, because the real source of words is not in the intellect, in the understanding, but in the right side of the mind, in the pure energy that is, has no definitions, Dafka there is the source for letters, which is a strange idea, but that's the way it is. Where do you find that? It says, It was prepared. We turned over the page, the last page of the whole discourse. We've been learning already so many times, so many weeks. Like it says, That with kindness, which is chachma, chachma is called kindness because it's on the right side, the, the kisei, the throne, the throne is malchus, called the throne, is established. So you see that Dafka, the lowest, which is Malchus, is rooted in the highest. Vinikra Bas Avi, she's called the daughter of my father, Lagabaza, to Lagabi Ze'eranpin, to the Ze'eranpin, she's called the daughter of the father. Veloi Bas Imi, not the daughter of my mother. And that's why the Zohar says, he causes his son's wife, his daughter-in-law, so to speak, he brings her forth, and he, it becomes prepared from him, for him, for his son. She is prepared, and designated, from the very beginning, to be to the six emotions, a wife. That means that the energy of the divine emotion should flow into the divine verbiage, divine words to create. That God should be able to articulate, articulate words of love in which he creates the universe. Words of discipline in which he creates the universe. Words of compassion in which he creates the universe. These are the emotions flowing into the words, the speech, which is the marriage between Ze'er Anpin and the Shekhinah, 
which is all prepared already from Chachma and Bina, from a much higher state. Like we find even physically, down here, everything in this world is a resemblance of these dynamics, of these great, powerful, mystical ideas. The sages say about our human spouses as well, that 40 days before a, bo- a man is born, a boy is born, he is already announced above. That means before he comes into this world, he's already announced from above who is going to be his basher, who's going to be his wife. And they announce Bas Ploini, the daughter of so-and-so, will be. Now she's usually younger, or more common that she's younger than him. Not always, but, you know. And, and so she's not even in the world yet at the time when they announce. So they don't say she will marry him. They say the daughter of so-and-so will marry. Because at this point, he's already at least a fetus. She's not even here yet. And you say she, the daughter of so-and-so, will marry him. Like it says, that Hashem structured the rib. So who structured, who prepared it? Hashem Elohim, father and mother. Primary role over here plays the father, like we spoke earlier, but the mother is also involved in the creation. So, that Hashem Elohim created, that's the feminine element to match and to and to complement the the Adam, the man, the the, the, the boy that they're creating, tiknu the abavim or tiknu the nukva. They're preparing the nukva, the female. The kanoma apikal abba. Over here, however, the Zohar is emphasizing the father's role more. Dafka mitam, because we said earlier, shenikra bas avish. He's called the the daughter of a father. So the Alter Rebbe is, is, is dealing with the subtleties of the Zohar. He's, 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 he's looking at every all the subtleties and explaining them. Because every word is so perfect. And in that expansion, I think, in that extension of the light of Father, the Ispashet Bebina, in which he is giving to Bina, that means in the same intimacy, in the same communion, in which he is transmitting from the, 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 the seed to create, that she should take it and create children with it, her son, it's not just the boy, also the daughter. He's creating male and female at the same time, which is called chesed and gavura. Because he's energy and she's vessel. So she's gavura, vessels are more... Restrictive and energy together. Vahainu, vav ke. That's really that the that's the yud ke who are getting married, the yud and the hey of God's name, and they and together at the same time the vav and the hey are being born. The vav of the six emotions, hey is malchus, emerge together. With the ka, with yud ke, he creates worlds. What are the worlds? The two worlds. Alma de Tchuda, the male world, the Alma de Nukva, and the female world. With all this, we can understand the meaning of the verse. Me, the level of me, which is Chachma and Bina, as they are totally one, as we spoke earlier, Bina, as she's still receiving the light of Chachma. Mana, Mana over here means not counted, but prepared from the word Vayiman to prepare. Afar Yaakov, the earth of Yaakov. What does that mean? 
Piddish. Mimara, the Chachma Shebebina, the Chachma of Bina. Again, mainly it's Chachma who's responsible for this. But it's the Chachma in Bina. Mana, it appears Lizun, both the male and the female. The Hainu. Afar Yaakov, the earth of Yaakov. Kamosha Kosov, he's proving that Malchus is called earth. It says, Asher Bekarka HaMishkan, the earth that's in the floor of the Mishkan, which is referring to Malchus, as it's explained. Chain Esther, sages refer to Esther as being earth. Esther Hamalka, she represents the Shekhinah. The sages say about her Karka Olam, she's considered earth. Over there, there's the, the question is, how, come, how could Esther have sinned because she married a Gentile king. Here she's a kosher Jewish woman, and we know her to be a very righteous woman. And here she, she married uh, Ahasuerus. So again, it was against her will, but how did it happen? So, and a person is supposed to give your... Here's the thing. There are three cardinal sins that a person has to give their life, or has sacrificed their life, lay their life down, not to, not to violate them. And one of them is Giloy Arroyas, immoral relationships, non-kosher relationships, which include for a Jew to marry a non-Jew. And a non-Jute, right? So here, the question the sages ask: How could Esther have gone? She should have chosen to die. What do you mean? What would they do? Force her to Achashverosh. She could have, you know, resisted until they had to kill her, and she should. And she needs to do that. So the sages say: There's a difference between a man and a woman. A man in a sexual encounter, a man is considered doing an action, and that's why there is a much greater. Um, that it could be considered when, if he's having a relationship, it's considered that it's his will. He's doing it willfully. And when a woman is being forced, um, it's not, she's not considered participating in the action, so she could be considered a passive, she's being raped in a sense, so it's not her participating, she, because she's not really doing anything, she's just, it's just happening to her in this sense. And that's why a woman is not obligated to die not to have, um, not to be a man if he's being forced to have a, an illegal, has, has to allow himself to be killed. The woman not. So, and that's what, and the sages use the term, they say she, Esther is karka, like earth. Earth doesn't do anything. Just, it's just, the, it's just something's being planted in it. That's the idea. The earth didn't participate in the thing being planted. That's the idea. It's, but spiritually, it's the idea that Earth represents Malchus. Okay. So now we come to the last passage of the Zohar. We understood Mima na Afar Yaakov. Okay. And what, is, what does he mean when he concludes Umispar and counts as Reva Yisrael? A quarter of Israel. So this is really, really very special. So let's read what the Zohar says and then let's see if we can understand it. A very short little passage in the end. He counts the rova, the quarter of Israel. Rova Yisrael, the quarter of Israel. The secret. Only in the merit of, of Rebbe. I guess he means Rabbi Shimon Yochai. Only in the merit of Rebbe, which is Rabbi Shimon Again, I think so. This was given over. Such a deep secret over here. How fortunate is your, is your, is your lot that such a deep secret could be revealed. Reva Yisrael. What does Reva Yisrael mean? Revius a quarter min medidu de Yisrael. From the measurement of Israel. Iu bris, which this is the bris. Bris over here means the 
the uh, bris milah, the, the yesod. Yesod is the, the, um, the male organ of procreation. And that's called bris. So it's saying that's a quarter of Israel. Amai ikre roiva. Why is it called roiva? Eloshiyuri de gufa, the measure of the body, arba brises, is four times the bris. So the, gen- the, the genitalia of, of, of the man is a quarter of the goof of the person himself. Have a bishiyuri delay. So we're going to understand this is a very deep mystical. I know it's talking about something physical, but it obviously reflects, everything in the physical is a reflection of the godly, even one's sexuality. And primarily, that's actually a very, very, very deep power of, of in, the, in the cosmos, the highest power, really. So that's a quarter of the body. What is it? Physically. The... The bris is a quarter of the measurement of the body. And therefore that means umispar and to count roiva Yisrael. So because here's the thing. We just spoke about the emergence of the female, which is malchus. And the emergence of the male energy, energy and vessel. But now you've got to bring energy and vessel together. How are you going to bring energy and vessel together? That's through their intimacy. They're going to get married intimacy. And through their intimacy, the, the emotions are going to be transmitted into the words. And that's compared to a sexual relationship. Now in that relationship, the sexual relationship happens through the, the genital of the man. And that's considered roiva, a quarter of Israel. What does that mean? The, the emotions that are going to pour and transmit into the vessel is only a quarter of the emotion because every influence from influencer to influencee teacher to student a lot of the information remains hovering over the mind of the student the student can't take all that information in because it's very it's a very rich if it's a real teacher and a student the teacher is worthy being a teacher that means he has much more information than the student can handle so when he's transmitting, only a quarter of the information goes in. And that's why it says it takes a student 40 years to really figure out what the teacher taught. Every teaching you get, you'll really only understand it 40 years later. It'll simmer on your head for 40 years. And then the end, Moshe tells the Jewish people, you're only, at the end of 40 years, you're only now beginning to get what we got at Sinai. 40 years later, you're beginning to get what I told you. It takes 40 years. Why? Because you don't get the full, full dosage. And you can see that in the physic that's reflected in the physical intimacy of a man and a woman. Because what the man is actually giving to the woman in a way that is actually entering her space is a quarter of his body. So that represents the idea that a quarter of the influence is passing from the influencer to the recipient. So, again, when we're speaking about the entire emergence of the cosmos, the emergence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then the Shekhinah, and then, but not, nothing's going to happen unless there is an intimacy. The flow requires from him to give his energy into her, and that's when it enters into the building blocks of creation, into speech. If God has no excitement, he has nothing to talk about. In other words, the speech is motivated by excitement. So if there's some excitement that flows into the speech, then there can be words, 
And with the ten utterances, God created the world, creates and continues to sustain the world. There has to be some energy flow. There has to be some excitement coming from God. But only, and that's called this intimacy and the quarter of it. And all of this is prepared, meaning the, the not just male and female, but also the genitalia, which connects the two, is also created by me. Me brought up, created this entire system. In other words, from the very beginnings of Chachma and Bina, this very, very lofty state, it has designed an entire system of how the energy can flow into the creation. And Bilam sees this entire structure as the Jewish people and the cosmic flow of energy that flows through them into the world. And therefore he says, what are you thinking to mess with the Jewish people? You think I can uproot them? There's nothing in the cosmos that works without them. So I'm going to, before we go back inside, I'm going to say to all the haters of Israel, you can all go jump in the, in, in the lake you can hack your head in the wall from today till tomorrow. We're here to stay. We're here forever. We're going to have the entire land of Israel with the Temple Mount. And anybody that doesn't like it, too bad. And ultimately, it would be beautiful if everybody can appreciate what we're learning over here and recognize. Then the people would understand the reason for this deep, deep envy of Israel. Hatred and envy. It comes from an envy. But when one appreciates that the Jewish people are not here for themselves, but they're here to bring all this illumination and light and ultimate godly flow into the creation, then the hatred will turn into an e irrational in, and insatiable love, which is going to be in the, in the Messianic age. So, May we merit to see that soon. Now let's learn his interpretation of what this means and how he explains it. Well, What does this all of this mean? We have to be analyzed. One, remember, we're dealing a lot with the shapes of letters. We discussed the yud and the hay and the vav in the hay, the vav that's inside the hay, the dalid, the bays, right? The Aleph, we had a whole structure in the Aleph. Now he's going to focus on another letter, the Gimel. You see, Malchut, which is the world of speech, is the Dalit. Because Dalit comes from the word Dal, poor. Malchus doesn't have anything. She's just potential words that need to be filled with content. Dal means poor. Who gives, who's giving energy to the Dalit? Her husband, who's that? The Gimel. Gimel is called Gimel because the word Gimel means Gomel. Gomel means to give. To give to who? To give to the poor. In Hebrew, when you the word for giving to the poor is called Gimilas Chesed. You're doing a kindness. Gomel means to give. We say in David, Gomel Chasadim Tovim. God is always giving. So the Gimel is the Gomel. Now, when you look at the gimel and the dalit, you see that gimel, the, the way the gimel looks like, is it, it's above, literally above. And at the bottom, it has a, a yud sticking out forward. What that means is it's the teacher, the influencer, going to the student. Because you know, when it comes to tzedakah, you're not supposed to wait till the poor man comes. 
The real best way of giving tzedakah is before they even ask, you go and you give. The giver goes to the receiver. Like God does, he creates the world. He didn't wait till we ask to be created. He initiates. He gives. So many things he gives us before we even can dream of it, he gives us. We only notice it when we're lacking, then we cry out. But God gives. And that's, and that's hinted to in the bottom of the gimel. The gimel is walking to the dal. He's now going to give a mystical explanation in the shape of the gimel. Because he's going to show that in the gimel, the little yud that's sticking out on the bottom is a quarter of the size of the entire gimel. There is a vav. And the quarter, the size of the gimel that actually is the leg that protrudes outward, that's the, the, the step of the foot that's going out. That's a quarter. Why? Because in concept, that's like the, we spoke earlier, that the that which extends from the mashpia to the recipient is a quarter of the body, like in the physical relationship. That's what that leg of the gimel stands for. And that means a quarter of Israel. Israel is the entire gimel, the whole vav. We have to first preface an idea. When we look at the letter Gimel, the sages say the word Gimel means Gimel Dalim. The Gimel is kind. It goes to give to the Dal, to the poor. The image of the, of the form of a Gimel is known. It includes It includes two letters, Vav the Yud. It has a Vav and then it has a Yud on the bottom. The beginning of the way the gimel comes and emerges, it's like a, a letter vav. At the end of this vav, you draw from the vav a yud at the bottom. Like this gimel over here in the mimer, he has a picture, a, an image of a large gimel. We need to understand the reason. Why is a gimel two letters, a vav with a yud? Why is it at the bottom? There's a letter yud. The idea is as follows. This letter vav, and every place, the vav indicates an energy that's going, a line coming from the top to the bottom. From the Influencer to the influenced, from cause to effect. And that's what the image is. It's a line going down. The influencer, the cause is higher, the effect is lower. The beginning is a yud. A yud means the point of the essence of the influencer. That's your space and your extension downward. Now, above gets narrower because every time the influencer is giving to the influence, you have to narrow the energy. You're going to give too much, it's going to overwhelm the recipient, it's going to bust their vessel, it's going to blow a fuse. It gets narrower. This is by way of analogy. It's like the influence of ideas, of which is coming from the teacher to the student. This, it descends and it travels, this influence, from the intelligence of the teacher, to the student, from a high place, to a low place. We see in the literal sense, 
that this or this light and this influence that's going from the teacher to the student, the student cannot receive even that which is coming to him, the student can't behold and to absorb and take in everything the teacher is teaching. Like it is by the teacher. The sages say, that a student, a man, does not know the mind of his teacher. It takes 40 years. You have to marinate in the teaching that you taught, uh, that your teacher taught you for 40 years until you really get it, the full depth of it. Because it's not yet absorbed and received in the mind, in the brains of the student. All the words of the teacher come to their depth. As they really are. That which the student gets at the beginning is only a teeny weeny. A small little part of it. And the rest of the teaching, the rest of the concept, the rest of the of the of the of the whatever in idea, nisha remains al klimayachatalmid, hovering above the mind of the student, the the vessels of the student, of the brain of the student, in a in an encompassing state. In other words, they sense that there's something in these words that they didn't really get. There's some deeper, deeper meaning here. Because every influencer and influenced or cause and effect, the effect will not absorb in its container. Only one little portion, from the a little piece of the of the influence, that is drawn mina ela from the source, from its 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 cause, not the whole. The, the recipient does not swallow the teacher, does not absorb the teacher. Because the recipient, the keli, the vessel of the, of the influenced, is not, cannot contain, can only receive a, a portion, one portion. How much of it, how much of it is that portion? And every influencer and recipient, that the light and the influence that is already going, which means that which does enter into the space of the recipient, and is drawn from the influencer, and actually gets disconnected from him, from the, from the influencer, to the recipient, and that which does enter into the space of the recipient, who that which from the teacher, from the influencer, goes into the student is called Yesod. Yesod is the level of bonding, where the two bond, where, I'm, where the two are becoming one. It's called Yesod the Dukhra. So from the, from the influencer's perspective, that which they are imparting, and it's kind of extending from them actually to be received in the recipient, that's called the yesod element, the bonding element of the male. And that's like in the physiology of the person that the, the genitals of the, of the man is is belita bar is protrusion outward. Because that's what it represents. It's, he's the giver, so it's going out from him to the recipient. The kabbalah is kliyamakabal. And the recipient of the of the keli of the vessel of the receiver ba'atzmo, 
the, 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 the receiver, the student that's taking in, to this light and this influence, it's also called Yesod. That's the point of connection. Because Yesod means bonding. The foundation or the bounding element, the nukfa of the female. But that, the, the Yesod element of the woman is related to the, as you see in the, in the physical, as relates to the genital of the woman. It's an indent, the toich and a, a space, a, like a cavity, an inwardness, and a, and, a, and, a, and a hollow to receive. 